0: Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
1: Back on CBS Sports Radio, Ken Carmen, until 2 p.m. Eastern, 855-2124-CBS. Coming up later on today, the Xfinity Race at Daytona. Tomorrow, the 62nd running of the Great American Race, the Daytona 500. Joining me on the on the show right now, Matt Collig, owner of Collig Racing. Matt, thanks for joining me today, bud man
2: it is great i i can't believe it's already the off the off season's over and uh we're about to go racing today so uh it's good to be here and thanks for having
1: me uh, all uh, full disclosure you are from the same area i am northeast ohio yeah. it, it's there's some good short track racing there here and there but it's not like it is in the south what got you involved in racing
2: you know uh I grew, actually grew up and uh and I was actually an IndyCar fan. So we would go to the Indianapolis five hundred every year and uh just love racing. You know, I mean I played I played uh stick and ball sports, so like football and baseball and basketball, uh but just always loved racing and um and my company was you know, I started a company back in two thousand five called Leaf Filter. And, uh, and as we were growing nationally and started to get bigger in the South, uh, you know, I figured I knew that, that, uh, NASCAR was big and it was a great sponsorship opportunity. So I just started sponsoring a team back, what, seven years ago. And then, um, you know, we were having fun in the Xfinity series and, you know, I am very entrepreneurial and, and uh, business-wise and got to know NASCAR and some of the executives of NASCAR and some of the other owners in the series. And, uh, you know, started talking to some people and said, hey, you know, we're spending a bunch of money on sponsorship. And being entrepreneurial, it's like, hey, I think I can do this as good as these guys can or better than these guys can. <laughs> so uh, so then I looked into, um, you know, I... I met chris rice who's our president of college racing now and uh you know we started talking about what the opportunities might look like if i actually own a team we started talking to manufacturers uh we started talking to some of the other owners and see whose cars we were going to buy and what engines we were going to run and uh and so just started so five years ago started a uh, nascar race team uh one because it's cool that was actually the main reason yeah. cause it's fun and cool and uh, and so now here we are. We we won Daytona last year. We won Charlotte last year, and uh, we got three cars in the Xfinity race today. And we're uh, and and then we qualified for the Daytona 500 on Sunday. And uh, so it's it's actually pretty surreal that uh, you know you could just start a race team five years ago, and then now kind of having the success and, and the growth that we're
1: uh, experiencing. Are cool. you are you still working with Richard Childress?
2: We are. Yep. So we're running uh we've got a great uh, relationship and alliance deal with uh with Richard and uh you know we run the uh Earnhardt Children's uh Engines and uh yeah just really good really really good relationship that we've developed uh you know over the last uh, 5 years and uh and and those guys are really really great partners
1: yeah, he's been a race car owner they celebrated what their 50th year uh last year yeah last year Yeah, how, 50 years how much you of you know a- that- Go
2: ahead. I, I, I was going to say, we have, I mean, it's, you know, when I was just telling you that five years ago, we started a race team and you know, we've been doing it for five years. I mean, these guys have been doing it for 50. I mean, when you think about even how long Rick Hendricks been in the sport mm-hmm. and, um, Jack Roush and Penske and, you know, and Richard children's been over 50 years. And then Richard Petty has been in it. I mean, like a hundred years <laughs> they, they i mean these guys you know we're competing on a on a daily basis with guys that have been doing this for over you know half a century and uh and so those guys have been great, they are great, and uh you know they've been really welcoming uh to me and then some of the other sports i mean or some of the other uh owners in the sport um but I mean if you really think about how long they've been doing it, how much resources they have and uh you know but that's that's what we're competing against on a daily basis
1: you so. you just answered the question I was going to ask because they, they have seemed very helpful to you. Matt Collick joining us on the yeah. show, owner of Collig Racing. His cars roll off uh, today, 2.30 Eastern on FS1. So I did tune in to practice yesterday. I did see the 10, the 11, and the 16 all running in a line the way it's ought to be. Uh, yep. I'm, I'm excited about that Justin Haley kid, and I mean that. I watched that Daytona race uh, in July last year when he ended up winning that one. I think he rolls off, what, 33rd tomorrow in the Daytona 500? Yep.
2: Yeah, I mean it's exciting, and you know, for him, I mean he's a tw- he's twenty years old. Um, you know, he's running the Daytona Five Hundred. I mean, we talk about it's the Super Bowl of racing. I mean, it's really a giant event. If if, uh, if fans out there or whoever's listening like don't understand, I mean, it is it is NASCAR's biggest event, and it is huge. I mean, the thing is sold out tomorrow. President Trump's going to be there. I know they're shutting down the uh, the Daytona International Airport for five hours. Um, but I mean, it is, it is a gigantic event and a game changer if you can win that thing. And so I'm really proud of Justin Haley and our team for even being able to qualify for the thing. Um, you know, I mean, it's a, it's a really big deal. So, you know, to go back to what you were saying about Justin, I'm, I am really proud of him. He's been, uh, he was in the truck series for a couple of years. He won four races back a couple of years ago. Uh, he was a rookie last year. And had 20 top 10 finishes, and he's one of the fa- he's actually one of the favorites in the Xfinity series to win the series uh, this year, and uh, that's what we're looking to do. But but uh, but yeah, really proud of him. Really uh, really excited about um, about the Daytona 500 on Sunday, and how he's going to do. And and the car is really strong. You know, we went out and um, we had the dual races on Thursday night. And you know his marching orders were literally like to just not wreck the car. I mean these these, uh, <laughs> these these plate races at Daytona and Talladega. I mean they're they're. I mean you you almost just expect to wreck. Uh, you know guys get crazy. The cars move around. They draft so well, and uh, you know his marching orders were literally don't don't wreck the car. And you know it's funny if if you were listening to the radio or listening to the scanner, and you know the, these guys uh, these drivers have spotters that are talking to him the whole time and telling him where the other cars are and, and, uh, and where to go and, and how to do the thing. And they just, they literally just kept telling Justin, Hey, get out of there. There the, the guys, you know, Denny Hamlin's getting a little crazy, get out, just get out. And, uh, he's such a racer and so competitive that he was just having trouble just even getting out. He just wanted to get up there and mix it up. So we feel really good about the car, uh, for Sunday. And, um, and I'm really proud
1: of Justin. Hey, I've heard the stories from you, you. You said you work with Richard Childress. I've heard the stories from him where he was just as willing to go down and fight people over tearing up equipment as much as any driver was. It, when you go to Daytona and Talladega where it's 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 very, very tight and it's just the way it is, yep. do you get nervous or do you just kind of go, well, we're either going to win it or it's going to cost me a lot of money at the end of the day?
2: <laughs> well, for us, it's like there are opportunities to go win. So, um, you know, it's it is nerve wracking uh, because you just don't want to you don't want to like you don't want to wreck. It's not really about hey I don't want to tear up our equipment or like man that's going to cost us a lot of money if we wreck. I mean you you just know that there's several races a year including Daytona that you might just you you might just wreck your car and have to throw it away and then have a new car. It's more it's more fun. I mean even in these races and and you watch them. Even if you're in fortieth place, you're still right there. I mean, you're within you're within twenty rows of like of the leader. So mm-hmm. when when even guys like Justin or, or any of our drivers are up there and they're in seventh place with like one lap to go, you know that they can actually win it. I mean, the guys in front of you are probably going to wreck, or you can get a good enough draft uh, where you can just you can go to the outside and win the damn thing. So it's uh. So I would say no, I don't get nervous. Um, I actually get um, anxious because uh, because you could win. And so uh, they're they're fun. They're they're like no other thing. It's like I love the play tracks, and I love the um, and I love road courses because it's it's the same thing. Oh, These guys can they can all wreck at any time, and everybody has a chance to win.
1: Do you wish the Cup would have a little bit more? I know they got the Roval now that down at Charlotte, but do you yeah. wish that the Cup guys would have a few more road courses like like you do in the Xfinity?
2: Yeah, no, um, you know, I think we have a we have a good mix this year because we have so we have five road courses in the Xfinity series, mm-hmm. and uh, I think that actually feels like like enough. Like I wouldn't want the series to turn into like a road course series. You know, I mean, there's 33 races. We've got five, which, which actually almost feels like a lot. Um, but our, I love the road courses. I, w- I mean, I wish we had four uh, plate races, um, you know, in the Xfinity Series. We have three. The, so the Cup Series, uh, we run two races at Daytona and two races at Talladega. And then in the Xfinity Series, we only run Talladega one time. So we have uh, two Daytonas and, and a Talladega. Mm-hmm. So we have three plate races uh, and now five road courses. So, um, yeah, no, so to answer your question, I, I don't wish there were more uh, road course races. It'll be, it'll be really cool to see uh, how Indianapolis goes this year. You know, we're going to run uh, – we'll have three cars and at that road course. Uh, A.J. Allmendinger is running all five road courses for us. And uh, you know, I'm sure he's uh, he's probably the favorite to win all five of those yeah. uh, already. So that's a good feeling, Ken.
1: He's a hell of a hand. I, I've been watching AJ Allmendinger a long time. Matt collig joining us on the show, owner of Colligan Racing. Uh, we, you got the Cup car going tomorrow. I don't want to expose your business too much. How how much how much more would you like to run in the Cup Series this year?
2: You know, uh, if we're going to run more, uh, I would say we would run the, the uh, you know, the super speedways. So we're running Daytona, and uh, and I if I had to guess, if I had to bet, um, and, you know, nothing's done yet, but uh, that we'd run, uh, you know, Daytona again and maybe run the Talladega races. So just really, really like the, uh, the super speedways. Again, you know, we can be uh, very competitive there, as all the teams can. And, uh, you know, and again, you can go win those things. Mm-hmm. I mean, Justin's, Justin Haley's running the Daytona 500. Um, he's the defending champ. I mean, he won Daytona in the, in the last cup race. And so even when you're um, – so m- my point is, like, you can actually win those things and be competitive. and And so all the teams can. So for us, it's just fun. And, um, you know, with, with sponsorship and people coming on board, um, you know, even financially, it, it just, it makes sense to do.
1: What do you see as the future of NASCAR with both series, the the Xfinity and then the cup?
2: Yeah, no, I, I, the future's bright. I mean, really, it's, it's a, uh, it, it's a, it's an amazing sport. Uh, you know, the executives at NASCAR are really doing a, an amazing job, uh, with marketing and trying to grow the sport. They're, they're, um, you know they're they're really trying to get back to the roots of racing and and actually being uh racers uh by by you know really showing and and um kind of showing off the their uh their the local tracks and trying to get back to the roots of NASCAR um but you know i mean you know it's funny when we talk about the uh you know attendance at tracks and um you know, where that almost appears to be, uh, down or when you're watching races and there doesn't seem to be as many people at the tracks. Well, like the whole world is changing. Like you can literally get on your iPhone and watch the races. Now you can get on your iPhone and, and see, uh, see what's going on in the pits. And, you know, there's just the technology is so much more advanced that, um, you know, that, that, that it's actually, you don't even need to go to the track anymore. You can get more, um, you know, you can get more as a fan, you know, on your iPhone. So uh, so my point is, mm-hmm. is NASCAR is doing an amazing job with the dis- digital technology and, um, you know, with the viewership. I know the viewership is, is up on TV, on digital. Everybody's watching on their iPad. So um, even for us, we, we even feel it, like fan engagement is higher than ever, uh, the sport is crazy healthy, and um, you know it's just a really, really good time to be in NASCAR and be a race fan because you you can have all the access you want.
1: Two thirty today, FS1. Find him on Twitter at Matt Collig. Find his team on Twitter at Colleg Racing. Matt, thank you for the time. Good luck today. Good luck in twenty twenty, friend. Thanks, bud. Have a good day. You too, Matt Collig. Joining us on the show. Find him again on Twitter at Matt Collig and at Collig Racing. Eight five five two one two four CBS. All right, coming up next. It is the day after Valentine's Day. Billy Jack is back. We'll see if he has rosy cheeks. And last week, we helped baseball. This week, I try my hand at NASCAR. It's Ken Carmen on CBS Sports Radio. This is the Ken Carmen Show on CBS Sports Radio. 855-2124-CBS. Coming up in less than 15 minutes. 1520. We talked to Jason Lockenfora. CBS Sports NFL Insider asking what's going on with Miles Garrett, what's going on with Mason Rudolph, who said what, who didn't say what. Also, where the hell Tom Brady's going to end up? I got to bring in Billy Jack. Billy. Hi, Ken. Hi there, Billy. How you doing?
0: What's that uh, voice for, Ken? Don't
1: worry about it. Hey, uh, so you had, uh, it was Val- Valentine's Day was yesterday. Did you wake up with rosy cheeks? Uh No. Oh, Billy! I thought you had a main squeeze. Now I don't have. I don't have a squeeze. Oh, you have Ken, many squeezes. Forgetting. Yeah, he has a few. Ah, just feeling up all thing. the oranges over there at the at the Oops and Gamusalan, huh? Yeah. My uh, my Valentine's Day wasn't very good, Ken. What'd you do yesterday?
0: So, so I was off yesterday from work because I usually work Fridays. Uh, I wasn't oh, really feeling yeah. well, so I had to Aww. take a day. Uh, so I woke oh. up on Friday, I was feeling a little bit better, yeah. and then I was bored. So I said, what can I do to make this day fun? Oh, boy. <laughs> I All decided, right. I decided, well, hang on. So I decided to take a drive over to the casino, and I lost a very substantial amount of money.
1: How much did you lose?
0: A couple hundred.
1: That's not bad. Like oh. $200? No, more than that. Wait, well, a couple's Two. I know you're not a part of a couple, so you wouldn't know. How much did you lose? How much did you lose? Oh my God, Ken! It was like close to a thousand. Whoa! 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 <laughs> wait a minute! Wait a minute! Wait a minute! Wait a minute! Wait a couple hundred, then close to a thousand. That's a huge chasm. That is a huge chasm. Hey, I live in the Hamptons. Where? Syracuse? Well, it's in New York. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah, I, that that's a huge swath there, buddy. Hickey! You gotta know when to hold him, know when to fold him, brother. I know. He told me this
3: in the break, and I was like, I was waiting for him to oh. actually reveal the true amount. Yeah, it's it's tough, man. What's
1: the actual amount? Give me the number.
3: Oh, he didn't say number. He just said exactly what he said. Close to thousand Okay, so close to i am I'm gonna, like, gonna oh, guess
1: nine ninety. 990. Oh. Nine ninety nine. We're playing prices white price is right with Hickey's losings. Lord almighty, his losses. Yeah, I, um... Oh, Hickey. I know. Hickey. Well, I, it wasn't me. It was Billy. Oh, yeah. Sorry, Billy. I suck. I get you mixed up. I'm sorry. I'm on cold medicine, too. I apologize. Well, you know what, Billy? You know what you got to do? Gotta win it back, baby. you got the same, baby. You gotta go right back there and go win it back, brother. You know Jimmy the Greek. That's that. Scared money don't make money. All that other stuff that we say. Well, to be fair, though, Ken, I gotta wait till I get paid now. Okay, well... <laughs> I guess the next week's going to go mighty slow for you, huh? Yep. Oh, man. We're Eight just lucky f- Billy what? had enough money to come to work today. Oh Yeah, you're very well, oh, Billy. Oh, what a what a horrible, horrible, horrible Valentine's Day, but par for the course for our buddy Billy. All right, 855-212-4CBS. We just had Matt Colling on, Colling Racing. We're hoping he does well today. Again, 2.30 their start time today for the uh, Xfinity Series. You know, we fixed baseball last week. Well, we didn't fix it. We helped it. Because baseball doesn't need fixing. So we helped baseball last week. Uh, I think there is a time that we need to fix NASCAR. I think that time's now. First, you always have to diagnose. Now, I'm a huge NASCAR fan. Hickey knows. Billy's just learning. Lima has just learned how big of a NASCAR fan I am. And I think that there have been three major issues that have hurt NASCAR in their their recent history. Because at one point, and people don't realize this, we all say that NASCAR died in 2001 with Dale Earnhardt. I think the highest rated Daytona 500 was the 2005 Daytona 500. Might have been 2004 or 2005. The housing crisis comes around in 2008. That means that companies go away from the sport. There is a change there. But you have to diagnose problems first before you go after them. First off, I think there was overreaching. Overreaching of where they wanted to go, overreaching and where they wanted some of these mega tracks to be at. And I think there was too much because they were overreaching. You wanted larger venues, you wanted more wide open racing. People didn't like or they felt that the normal population, the regular population, the, the I would have to say, fly by night bandwagoners as we do in sports, the bandwagon fans weren't really f- fond of, of short track style racing, you know, brakes, gas, the whole thing. So you had more cookie-cutter, D-shaped oval tracks that really hurt the fun of what auto racing is supposed to be, specifically NASCAR. I also think there they're, during this time, there's a different generation that comes in. Because then you have the housing crisis that comes around in 2008. St- stick with me here, please. You have the housing crisis that comes in. Money starts to go away. People are spending less time at the track. People are spending less money at the track. Then you have a change in how they do business in NASCAR and how they do the postseason. Then stage racing gets brought in a couple of years ago. And then you have a disconnection between the fans and with NASCAR itself, plus mismanagement by the France family. Specifically, Brian France. So when you have a change in, when you have a change in philosophy, then you have an older style fan base that likes things the way they were, you're going to have a disconnection. And this happens in every single sport. This is happening in basketball right now. It's more player-oriented. Fans are feeling left out in the cold because they feel their teams have no shot to make a championship, to have a championship, to even make a final series. They're they, they are feeling that they are being left out. Baseball, we bring up the same thing. Football, everybody feels they have a chance. It's once a week. People feel that, the, that their team will always have a shot to do something as long as they get their, their affairs in order. Hope springs eternal every year because the teams in New York and the team in Green Bay are on the same level playing field as what we believe. We believe that as a fan. Might not always be true, but we believe it. NASCAR, you lose a connection. And there's also a problem with bridging the gap in the generation. I told this to Hickey yesterday on the phone. In my generation, my father helped me work on his cars. My uncle, My, my uncle helped me work on his cars. My uncle sold cars. My cousin Ricky, who lived in Malvern, Ohio, taught me how to rebuild a carburetor. I haven't rebuilt a carburetor since I was 17. I probably never will again because cars don't have carburetors anymore. I learned how to rebuild a carburetor when I was a young kid. These are things we learned as American males. Now, in this generation, and this is going to turn into a millennial debate, I'm not trying to do that because it's even after the millennial generation. I see more and more of my friends who are a little bit older. They had kids a little younger than me, even though I'm 33, but I had buddies who had kids when they were 20. They're 38. Their kids all of a sudden are in high school, seniors in high school graduating. I have friends who are just a little bit older than me. Their kids are in high school. They don't want to drive. There was a time in America where an American boy wanted to drive as soon as he possibly could. This has changed. There was a time in America where we used to go out on drives as a pastime. That was something that you did. You went out on a Sunday, and you had a Sunday drive. People went out as a family to go sightsee and look all over the place. Now it's different. So you have to find a way to bridge that gap. And NASCAR, I look at what can not save it. I don't know if it's ever going away. But what can help NASCAR? First, I pay attention to what happens with the doubled headers of Pocono this year. They're having a double header at Pocono, if that can work. I try to shorten the schedule. Not necessarily take away dates because there's two primary families that own all the tracks. I try, though, to have more doubleheaders to shorten the calendar, a la the way we talked about with baseball last week. Shorten the calendar and try to get NASCAR season, racing season over before football. You are hurting your own product with the people who you talk to. Your primary racing fan is a football fan, they like contact sports, they like violence. They like football. They like going fast. That's what they like. Most NASCAR fans also really love football, really love college football. You got to get it out of there before Labor Day. So I shorten the calendar, and I try to get the schedule over with before football season started. So then I try to go to return to my roots. I can't force somebody to buy old short tracks. The representation in Nashville is making it better. The representation, hopefully, that you could maybe find someday with somebody please buying North Wilkesboro might be able to change that. But that's more of a a, a pipe dream and and less a reality. And return back to what people like. shorten the amount of people that can actually be there. Reduce the grandstands. And they've done that significantly in a lot of places. I don't think you'll ever have the boom that you had at one point in the late 90s, early 2000s, where it was the second biggest spectator sport behind football, the second highest rated sport behind football. I don't know if you'll ever return to that. But you have to find a way to bring back your fans who have been upset with you recently. You have to find a way to bring them back and then to slowly gain advantage with another generation. How you do that is going to be very hard because we're less interested in cars than we ever have been in our entire lives as Americans. I think you do that. Your true audience, because it likes football, will watch you until football, then watch football, and then you can learn from that sport. It's okay to have an offseason that's more than a month and a half long. You get out by the time September comes around, you get them wanting more, and they can watch football between them. Get back to some of the roots. I say you've already gotten back to a Roval in Charlotte. I say bring back a dirt track and try to put them on dirt. Costs a lot of money, but you're going to have to do some things. It's just a little taste of what could happen. And I'm short on time now, but it's just a little taste of what could possibly happen for your sport. Still very difficult. I love NASCAR. I know not a lot of people do, so I probably leave it here. But I am worried about where most of the hardcore fans are where they do more complaining about NASCAR than actually watching NASCAR 8552124 CBS up next Jason Lockenford joins us we talk NFL with him this is the Ken Carmen show on CBS Sports Radio 855-212-4227. That's CBS Sports Radio's toll-free line. It's brought to you by the fine folks at GEICO. Whether you rent or own, GEICO makes it easy to bundle home and auto insurance. Having a home is hard work, so get a quote. It's easy at GEICO.com today. Coming up in a little bit, I still have to do the five most disappointing, five most satisfying seasons, and five burning questions at some point. Hickey worked hard on it. And at some point, I got to tell you, listen, Mel Tucker's not a bad guy. He just He made a good decision, but he made a bad decision. And I love that everybody's coming out to defend... A guy who's going to make $6 million a year. Boy, it's a real tough stand you guys are making there. Uh, Let's go to the hotline. We welcome on Jason Luckin for CBS Sports NFL Insider. One of the very finest that you're going to find. Tells it like it is. I do like Jason, even though for a long time, Jason, you know, and I told Jason this one time that he made an appearance in Cleveland. And I said, man, I used to think you hated the Browns. It's like, no, you you just tell the truth. And you thought that they were abysmal. And uh, you know what, Jason turned out. You were right. You ended up being right about that. I had to come to terms with that, buddy.
3: Yeah, at some point they'll get out of their own way there, I imagine, although uh, there's less and less empirical proof uh, that they're actually capable of it. But eventually the Haslams have to at least finish 500, right? I mean, the league is all about parity. You'd think they could go 8-8 eight eight at some point.
1: I'd hope so. Uh, i got to ask you about the Miles Garrett fiasco here with Mason Rudolph. I, I think it puts fans in a weird spot. Like, I know Miles, and I don't think Miles is a liar, but that doesn't mean I can say that, that I think that Mason Rudolph would say something racist or is, in fact, a racist. What do I make of this, bud? I I, I don't know. I'm, I'm with you. I mean, it's a he said, he said. Uh,
3: as adamantly as Browns people support Miles Garrett and say he's not capable of making this up, the same way Steelers people I talk to and guys who – aren't always cheering the pom-poms or guys who don't believe that everything the organization always does is right. But guys who are like, look, there's nothing that we've ever seen from Mason Rudolph that would indicate he's capable of that. Now in the heat of the moment, I mean, maybe he thought he heard something. Maybe Mason Rudolph absolutely said it. I mean, there's, there is literally no way to know. This entire incident was out of character for both of these young men um regardless of whom you talk to I'm not sure that we'll ever entirely get to the bottom of it um I mean there have been times where I absolutely thought I heard something like a certain way in a locker room setting or a press conference setting and then I go back to my note you know what I mean I go back to my recorder and it's like oh wow that's not you know so I I I I don't know um but obviously, both guys are are, are adamant in, in what they're saying, and they both can't be right. But maybe there is some gray area in between where it was a something was said. Maybe it wasn't exactly that. I, I just I just don't know. And and again, I don't know. Short of there being audio recorded somewhere, which the league is adamant there
1: isn't, I don't know how we'll ever know. Do you believe that there could be audio? That there is audio? I mean the way that I was explained
3: to me who was mic'd up and who wasn't and the way that certain audio can be retained and then by the very nature of these um, of these contracts, certain video I mean certain audio has to, you know is supposed to just be expunged. This was audio that was to be purged and apparently that's what Fox did.
1: Jason Lockin for joining us on the show. Let me make some sense of Tom Brady here. I was thinking about this before. I think there's a lot of quarterbacks that Bill Belichick could pick up that could work for the New England Patriots. I think there's only a certain, maybe one situation other than New England that I think could really work for Tom Brady. Should Tom Brady just go back to New England?
3: I I think Tom Brady has earned the right to do whatever the heck he wants to do. And he's already shown a, a willingness to explore the avenue. Uh, the possibility of free agency in, in a way and to a degree he never has even considered before. So I, I don't think you can just say that, Oh, well, this is what's always happened. So this is what will happen now because the door is so far, you know, so much further ajar than ever before. And there were stipulations put into the previous contract that absolutely guaranteed him this opportunity in a way that it never did before. And we're also at the end of, of possibly a CBA. And we're also at the end possibly of this new England Patriots dynasty. And, you know, Tom doesn't know exactly how long Bill Belichick's going to do this. Tom doesn't know exactly how long Robert Kraft is going to be the day-to-day uh, decision maker of the new England Patriots. Um, they're going to have to lay out a plan just like any free agent suitor would, you know, last year wasn't good enough. We're not, you know, no quarterback could have lifted that group, much less a 43 year old one. So how are we going to address that? And, What is the best thing for me um, at this stage of my career? All things being equal, I would imagine New England gets the nod, but all things may not be equal in this instance, and especially from a financial standpoint. um, There's no hometown discounts. There's no worried about everybody else but me. Um, You know, a guy who's done what he's done for the organization, they better be prepared to pay him as much as
1: anybody would on the open market. Absolutely. Jason Lock and with us on the show. Anytime it seems like Bruce Arians has an opportunity to say something nice to, about Jameis Winston, he doesn't do it. Uh, does he want Jameis Winston back in Tampa Bay?
3: I mean, when he says we need to figure out what else is out there
0: that
3: uh, look, they know what else is out there. Like this, their, their season has been over for quite some time now and they're not getting Tom Brady. And, like they could get Philip Rivers, but is one year? You know, if they give Philip Rivers the, the the Nick Foles contract, basically fifty million guaranteed for two, is that an upgrade over Jameis, who you could put the non exclusive tag on at twenty seven and squat on a twenty five year old versus pay a thirty six year old based on what he did in San Diego? Um, but certainly, you don't want to get what he got, what he did in Carson last year, because that was that's an older version of Jameis with less in his arm, with with less mobility. Um, with no upside. So, I mean, what else are they going to do? Tannehill's going to get tagged. I mean, Cam Newton very well might get traded. Newsflash. He ain't getting traded in the division to Tampa. Um, Andy Dalton. I mean, you think Andy Dalton's better than Jameis Winston? I mean, and Dalton throws a lot of picks. Like, who? You tell me. Like, what are they What are they doing? Like, what, how are they upgrading <laughs> over Jameis Winston? They're picking 14. Like, you want to do yeah. something crazy and take Jordan Love at 14? Like, you can he, he might not be ready for three years, at which point Bruce Arians is hitting golf balls again. So, I don't know, man. I, I think at the end of the day, they're going to tag Jameis.
0: Is
1: there any possibility Joe Burrow really doesn't want to go to Cincinnati? Sure. <laughs> <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah. I mean, if you watch Bengals football the last 40 years, I mean, I'm 46 years old. <laughs> Except for the occasional, you know, they had a, a couple of years under Ken Anderson and a couple of years under Boomer. <laughs> And, I mean, they had a nice run with Marvin. They didn't win any playoff games. I mean, you know, the infrastructure, there's no creature comforts there. They don't have the same scouting resources as other organizations. They don't have the same technological resources, IT resources, training facilities. Um, You know, when, when Carson Palmer comes out and says they never really were about Super Bowls, and Carson Palmer's brother is training Joe Burrow for the Combine, like, I mean, Come on, man. Like, Ooh. you're, you're going to tell me that, that this isn't it's to some degree coordinated? Now, will they take thinking to the mat? you know, the way Tom Condon did for Eli Manning in San Diego years ago? I don't know if they're willing to go DEFCON or not. But if I'm the Bengals, I'm trying to get in Mike Brown's ear and saying this doesn't have to be a stare down. This doesn't have to be a death watch. Like, you know, we could get a massive haul for that pick and also find an option at quarterback as a as a as a band aid and maybe more in the short term and we'll have a Saturday generational quarterback the following year as well.
1: What about and I know you're short on time and I we are too but I, I mean when I see Joe, when I see Joe Burrow, his father's a coach, I think of Jack and John Elway and I go, man, can someone talk to Dad? Can can Mike Brown talk to Jim Burrow or somebody because I think, you know, they're, they're talking down at 1530 down there, jo- uh, Jason. They're talking about, like, well, the lease is up in 2026 and you can never know what they're going to do. It's like, whoa, whoa, well, wait I a think minute.
3: you have to be realistic about stuff oh, like that. I mean, this I, is a mom and pop shop. This is an old school family business. It's not like they're doing anything else on the side yeah. that's making the Brown family money. This is it. Um, And there have been issues with the stadium already, and and things could get somewhat contentious there when you start talking about you know, leases and obligations. I, I don't know where else they would go. I mean, London is out there. I mean, I, I, I'm just saying, look, I lived through the Colts leaving. I lived as a, as a young kid through John Elway, basically saying, no way in hell am I going to the Baltimore Colts. Like, this stuff does happen. And, I mean, I, I think you, if you're a fan and you're not open-minded to the fact that billionaires will do as billionaires want, then you haven't been paying a lot of attention to the, to the NFL and how franchises move and how big business is done
1: on it occasion. Jason, I can't thank you enough for the time, buddy. All the very best to you and yours. My pleasure. Have a great weekend. Thank you. You too. Jason Lockin Fora, CBS Sports NFL Insider. Whoa! That is rough. I wasn't even sure I was going to do it today. Hickey, we're going to have to do that coming up at the top of the hour. Joe Burrow's in a, in a cat birth seat right now. And I did not, at, at the very beginning, I knew Carson Palmer had something to say when he said it to DA back during Super Bowl week. Totally lost on the on the Jordan Palmer working him out thing. That one got me. Because at first I go, listen, you guys can't be calling me up talking about trade scenarios with the Cincinnati Bengals. If there's a possibility this kid doesn't want to go there, you got to think it long and hard about this. I mean, Ernie Acorsi... That was taken over because of Bob Ursay. Bob Ursay was on the sauce a bit, the whole thing. Like, it was a pretty ugly scenario there. And Bob Ursay just took over back in 82, 83. This, you got to you, you gotta handle this delicately. You got to handle this delicately. And the other thing about Miles and Mason, and people are asking about it. I, listen, I, know My, I don't think Miles is a liar. I, I don't want to call Miles a liar. I don't think he'd lie about this. I don't think he'd have four months off and then say still if he didn't believe it. But Mason Rudolph, I don't, just because I don't know Mason Rudolph doesn't, think, doesn't mean I should call Mason Rudolph a racist or said he said a racial slur. That's a very sticky spot for fans. 855-2124-CBS. Up next, Joe Burrow has the power to save or destroy football in Cincinnati. It's Ken Cromwell on CBS Sports Radio.
0: This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news,